It is said that we can live for 40 days without food, four days without water, four minutes without air, but we can only live four seconds without hope. We all need hope, and we need it now. So let's get some hope from today's The Critical Faith Podcast with Pastor Sue Collar from First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Here now is Pastor Sue. So today we're going to spend some extended time in First Samuel, learning about the prophet Samuel's mother, Hannah. Samuel was one of the most famous prophets in Israel. He led the tribes of Israel before there were kings, and he also anointed the first two kings of Israel. He was remarkable, but so was his mother. Today we're going to hear her story. We start with her prayer to God for a child at the shrine where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. They believed those days that when God was on earth, God literally sat on the Ark of the Covenant. So she brought her prayer straight to God. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely, to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk a Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him of the Lord. So the story continues with Elkanah going year after year to present the sacrifices at the shrine. When Samuel was about three years old, Hannah joins him again, brings Samuel with her to dedicate him to the Lord's service. Samuel is to become a prophet and a mediator of God's word. Bruce Birch, professor of Old Testament, points out that 
Elkanah makes an interesting statement about Samuel. He says, may God establish his word, making us aware that we are not just hearing the story of Samuel's beginnings, but the story of God working through Samuel in Israel. So when Hannah finally brings Samuel to Eli at the temple to fulfill her promise to dedicate him to the Lord, she sings a song reminiscent of Mary's song at Jesus' birth, celebrating the great reversal God has done for her and will do for the world. Let's listen to that song now. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my victory. There is no holy one like the Lord, no one besides you. There is no rock like God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. But those who were hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to light. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low, he also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are their Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might does one prevail. The Lord adversaries shall be shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. It begins in silence as Hannah prays in desperation for a child. Her story is not unique. Countless stories are born in silence. I was three years at a church before I realized that the wife of one of the most prominent members of the church was being abused at home. She would show up at church with a smile, laughing. She told no one. Shame, embarrassment, fear, I'm not quite sure which pieces of those all came into play, but she lived her story in silence. A few days ago, we celebrated Veterans Day, and one of the major traumas soldiers endure is moral injury. It's having to do things or, or live with decisions that violate who they are at the core of their being. Many healthcare workers are discovering the depths of moral injury themselves as a result of COVID. Having to tell a wife of 68 years that she can't hold her husband's hand as he takes his last breath. Or living with the fear that by allowing her to take her mask off and kiss him that we may be signing her death warrant with that action. Many of our healthcare workers have no place to speak of that kind of injury, so they bury it. They don't want to burden their families with it, so they just keep their stories in silence. Then, of course, there are the silent stories in our own communities. We are long past the initial shock of COVID and the impact it's had on our businesses, so much so that we've forgotten those who've lost their businesses during the pandemic those who've lost their jobs, even those who have lost loved ones. It's been a long time since the total death toll has been a regular feature on the nightly news. When Hannah shows up at the shrine, she was distressed. She pleaded for a son. She lived in a society where 
Wives were valued when they had children, and she had none. Her barrenness was a mark of shame. A son was a sign of hope, a promise of the future. Other than her husband, the only one she could tell her story to and the only one she could pour her heart out to was God and hope God would hear. It was a silent plea that she made year after year after year. But while her plea may have been silent, her anguish was devastatingly visible, so much so that Eli the priest would see her there praying and think she was drunk because her mouth was moving, but nothing was coming out. But she was praying. The core of her prayer was simply, remember me. Hear me in my silence. See me in my despair. Don't abandon me. You see, Hannah knew the stories. How God remembered Sarah and gave her a son in her old age who would be the inheritor of God's promises to them for a future. She remembered how God remembered Rachel, the barren wife of Jacob, and gave her a son who would be the salvation of Israel in a time of famine. And she remembered how God remembered the Israelites when they were in slavery in Egypt and gave them another son, Moses, who would lead them to the promised land. If God could remember them, maybe God could remember her. So often when we are in the depths of fear or depression or anxiety or woundedness, we may not only feel that no one else sees the weight we carry. We may feel like God has forgotten us too. We may feel ultimately and completely alone. So Hannah's prayer, in a way, is our prayer. It's the prayer of the mother who lost her job because she couldn't afford daycare. It's the prayer of the wife who lost her husband and couldn't be by his side when he took his final breath. It's the prayer of that business owner whose work of a lifetime has closed because economically she couldn't survive the pandemic. It's the prayer of the one who sits alone in an apartment because with social distancing, their support system has been removed. And it is even at times our prayer for who among us doesn't carry a weight no one else sees, a shame no one else knows, or a loss no one else feels. Year after year, Hannah goes to the shrine and prays. Even though year after year she's not gotten the answer she wanted, a son, she still goes and prays because she remembers. Years ago, I heard someone say, prayer doesn't change God, it changes us. You know, sometimes I think we say that because it makes us feel better when we don't get the answer we want. But I think there's a truth in that. I know when I seriously pray for reconciliation with a person. I have no clue what it does to that other person, but I know what it does to me, and it's a good thing. In that same spirit, I say, prayer doesn't remind God. Prayer reminds us, especially when God seems silent. Prayer and telling those stories in prayer remind us that even when God seems silent, God hears, God sees, and God will answer, even if not on our own timetable. It's especially when we draw on those ancient prayers of our faith. You know, reciting those stories of our faith, they remind us that no matter how far away God feels from us, God is nearer than our imaginations. Listen to Psalm 30. This is someone who knew what it was to feel abandoned, someone who truly was alone, who truly was oppressed by his enemies. He knew what it was to feel abandoned, and he speaks of the darkness he endured. God did not protect him from suffering. 
but God did hear an answer. I will extol you, O God, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. Yahweh, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. You brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life among those who have gone down to the pit. Sing praises to God, O you faithful ones, and give thanks to God's holy name. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Even when we feel forgotten by God, God remembers. Sarah prayed, and long past possibility, God gave her a son. Hagar cried out in the wilderness, and when she was on the edge of death, God gave her water. Elijah prayed in a state of utter exhaustion, and God led him to a stream and provided birds to bring food to him. By reciting those stories and promises of God, we remind ourselves that even when things seem darkest, actually not even just when they seem darkest, but when they are dark, even when God seems most absent, God hears, God sees, and God answers. Remember me, Hannah prayed. Remember the God who hears and sees and answers. And God did answer. God gave her her heart's desire. God gave her the son she'd been wanting, a son who would lead God's people and who would anoint kings. It's tempting to say that when Samuel was born, Hannah had no clue whatsoever who her son would grow up to be. I think she knew something. Look at the song she sang. Like Mary sang when she was pregnant with Jesus, Hannah sings of the vision of the kingdom of God. She's finally gotten her heart's desire. She's gotten the son who takes away her shame. And she sings about a world where all those who suffer and are powerless, all those who hunger and are broken, are healed and lifted up to places of honor. She sings of the world her son will hold kings accountable to. Her son was more than an answer to her prayer. He was actually an answer to the nation's prayer. You see, Hannah wasn't the only one who was praying for God to remember them. At this time, the Philistine Empire was expanding into Israelite territory. Israel at that time was just a loose confederation of tribes that uh, pretty much they looked after themselves unless some crisis required a few of them to kind of band together to defeat a threat. There was no centralized government coordinating defense of Israel from its neighbors. The book of Judges, which historically precedes this book of Samuel, ends with, in those days, there was no king in Israel, and all the people did what was right in their own eyes. Hannah lived in a time of chaos and danger, and the very future of God's people was at jeopardy. So Hannah was not a singular voice crying out in the darkness. She embodied the prayers of all the people praying for hope and praying for a future. And God heard, and God answered. And as so often was the case, God's answer was a child who would lead them. And our requests may be singular. They may be about the things that are deep in our own hearts, our own pains and our own wounds. But God's answer to those prayers is expansive. God's answer is hope beyond our wildest imagination. Hannah just wanted a son, and God gave her and her people a future. Now, she didn't get to experience it. Even today, we still long for that day when, as the prophet Amos says, 
Justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. But she was given a vision of where God was leading them. And her son Samuel would be God's agent in his time, guiding them, challenging them, and conjoling them towards a vision of peace and justice. Our own deep needs and wounds may not feel like a national crisis. They may feel very personal, and they are. But they're also universal. We all long for that day when wounds are healed and relationships are restored. That day when justice isn't just a word that we are, are fighting for, but a way of life. And righteousness, that quality of being our true selves in God's grace, that's just how everybody is. We long for a world at peace where no one need be afraid and where everyone is valued for, for who they are and given places of honor at the table. We long for a future with hope. And just as God's answer to Hannah was a child, God's answer to us is also a child who is born into the midst of the messiness of life, who walks with us into the pit and into the emergency rooms and into the war zones and into the brokenness in our families and into the shame that we carry and isn't afraid of it and doesn't abandon us a child who is a light in the darkness and who gives us a vision and a taste of the future we hope for, where our wounds will be healed and our weights are taken away and joy abounds. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska, where we are a faith-nurturing, curious, diversity-loving community of Christ followers. Come find out more about us at fpclincoln.org or like our Facebook page at First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska.